So much of our focus thus far has been on the fear nots of Jesus, the times in the Bible where Jesus is recorded as saying, fear not or don't be afraid. And you know, what's interesting is a lot of the, the fear nots, and we're going to look at one of them as well this morning, but a lot of the fear nots are connected to these really you know, powerful moments in which, which people are desperate or in, in need of something or afraid, you know, afraid um, maybe even panicked. And in, in, in that context of great need, Jesus would utter these words, you know, do not be afraid. And, you know, we've been looking at also the, the fact that a lot of the fear nots, a lot of times when Jesus said, do not be afraid, they were connected to miracle moments, uh, the calming of a storm on the Sea of Galilee, the, the amazing catch of fish that we looked at last week that, that caused, the last couple of weeks, it caused Peter to have such a, a sense of, of his own need and unworthiness, the fear of that we don't measure up. Those things that Jesus said, don't be afraid of when he told Peter that, you know what, I, I know who you are. I still, I love you. I can use you to do amazing things. Uh, you need to trust me. Don't be afraid. We, and now, and what we're going to be doing here in the minute that we have, you know, minutes that we have here, is we're going to be looking at another one of those kind of very amazing moments. It's the one time in all the Bible we, we often call it the, the moment when Jesus, you know, he walks on the water. This miracle moment in which he demonstrates himself to be the master even of, of natural laws. And we're going to sit with this, this amazing moment and just try to draw something from it because in the context of that experience, Jesus utters this word, do not be afraid as well. And it, because it was in the middle of a storm. And uh, maybe, you know, a lot of us have just been thinking about possibly storms just because we've been having a lot of stormy weather. And uh, maybe when we came in uh, today, it was, even though we seemed to have had a bit of a respite outside, the sun's out, but it's still pretty windy, and it was cold this morning, really cold, biting cold, not normal San Francisco cold. In my, you know, from my memory, uh, this was a really intense cold, but it was part of the wind, I think, as well, and it just reminds me of, you know, stormy weather. It, it comes at odd times, um, but so it is with life. I mean, we often talk about the storms of life. We talk about those uh, those moments when we didn't see it coming, when all of a sudden we find ourselves fighting and the rain is falling, it's thundering out, the skies are dark and it's really hard and the wind is against us and we're just in the middle of something. And uh, those places, those places, those stormy places, they can be tough, you know? And uh, a lot of times those places make us afraid. Maybe we find ourselves in a, in a storm in which it has to do with a, a critical relationship in our life or a storm that's, that has something to do with our health, you know, or the condition of someone we love dearly. And I was thinking about all those things because, you know, I was just trying to take inventory. I was saying, Lord, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know not everybody's going through a tough time, um, but some of us are. Some of us are facing things. Some of us have things down the road that we're going to be having to deal with. Some of us are dealing with things. We're dealing, if people only knew what we're trying to work through. Sometimes it's a storm inside of our own heart that relates to our past or to habits we're trying to lay aside. Sometimes it's a storm connected to a relationship that we're really afraid is, 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 is having some desperate situations come into it and, 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 and we're a little afraid if it's going to survive. So it, see, this is, this is real life. This is where a lot of our life is lived. I mean, even I was thinking about this last week. I said, you know, if I just pause to reflect back on the week that I just had, and I didn't think anything of it. It was a somewhat typical week. In, in, in one regard, it wasn't a fun week because like a lot of us, I, I found myself, I thought I was surviving. I was surrounded by so many sick people 
uh, with colds and flus. And I thought, oh, I'm going to escape because I had escaped so far. And uh, then I got hit. It was like Sunday. I started noticing it. And I was going, oh, no. And I, you know, you, you start telling you're going to, you got a cold coming on. And so I just, the whole week, you know, <laughs> congestion and, and, you know, tired and weak. And I was awful. I hate being sick. I really do. I don't think anybody likes it. It's no good, no fun. Anyway, it was a, that's, that's like a, a minor little storm. Those are irritation type stuff. But that same Sunday, I had a call. Someone I love dearly uh, was, was, had to be brought to the emergency. And so a portion, you know, some of us, our family, we, we went to the, the emergency that evening in, in the room and kind of waited out something that we were really scared about. We had fear. We prayed, and we asked God to come and to help us. We, you know, that same week, I, I look back on it now. I, I see there's a number of conversations I had I, with people. I talked to one man who was, who was going through a, a business deal that um, a situation, it, 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 he felt like he was being extorted. And he was torn between having to pay a person something that he felt wasn't right but the, versus the hassle of it. It was just, it was a mess. I could tell he was in the middle of a storm. And it was causing him anxiety. We prayed. I was thinking about uh, another conversation I had with uh, uh, someone else who was awaiting a diagnosis that had already, a test had been taken and there was going to be a diagnosis coming. And that diagnosis was going to set in motion a number of things, one way or the other. And we all prayed. We prayed, Lord, help us in the middle of this storm because we're afraid and we need you to show up and help us. There was another conversation I had with a pastor and, and, and a friend of mine and just listening to, listening to he and his wife share their heart about their, their sense of being in a storm right now in, in, in their church and sense of loss and, and broken relationships and how much they were hurting and, and feeling of betrayal. And, and I, I just, you know, I was just listening. I was really, Lord, you know, all of us walk through things. Um, even if we don't have something happening right now, we either will at some point in our lives or um, we, will, we will know people right now who we love who are walking through hard things. So storms are relevant. Fearing less is relevant. It's very real because we live in a, a broken world, and things happen. And so it's OK to be honest about that. And yet at the same time, it's not fake to say that, that we can face things differently because of the Lord in our lives. And the more we welcome God into our lives, into our situations, into our scary places, into our stormy places, we create the possibility for God to, one, deliver us, and in, in sometimes in miraculous ways, as we're going to see, Sometimes he wants to teach us things. Sometimes he wants to teach us things about who he is. He wants to reorganize things in our own heart. There's so much to learn. There's opportunities for a season of explosive growth in our life because we're having to face things and face fear um, in different ways than we would have maybe in the past. I'm just saying it's such an opportunity for us and the minutes that we're sharing here to grow in wisdom, wisdom for living in the real lives that we've been given to live on this side of eternity. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. We're going to dump, you know, just kind of jump into this passage, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. So, Lord, we thank you for the time we've already shared, and we declare that you are a beautiful Lord. And uh, a lot of times we just need to be reminded of that and open up our hearts towards you. And I want to pray that you would meet us where we are. I know not all of us are walking through tough things. That's great. It's a good thing. No one wants to do that. But maybe some of us are, or maybe some of us can see something coming around the bend. Or maybe right now we, we care deeply about someone who is. And so we want to be o open to your words for us. We want to learn from this really amazing passage and uh, just try to gain strength from it and wisdom for living. We ask this in Jesus' name, Lord. 
Amen, God. Let it be so. All right, so now let's jump into uh, the passage, Matthew 14, verse 22. And it starts out with the word immediately. And one of the interesting things in these next uh, 20, verses 22 to 33, those uh, 12 verses, uh, each one of them sort of has, you can notice that the, the word immediately shows up three times there, verse 22, verse 27, and verse 31. So it's an interesting thing to see this word showing up. And, and again, there's a kind of a suddenness to it, which I think is indicative of some of the way storms hit us suddenly. But it says in verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. The other side was the Sea of Galilee. Um, we've been talking a lot about the Sea of Galilee in the past weeks. We've been looking at different pictures and shots of it. And I guess Scott, we'll t- put up a couple just to kind of put it in our mind's eye. The Sea of Galilee, uh, it's not really a sea, it's a lake. The Lake of Gennesaret is as often called. We see another shot here. It looks like an old ship, but in reality, if you went out to see the Sea of Galilee, there are these kind of tourist boats that they made to look like older, older boats. But it gives you a sense of what the lake would have looked like when we read about it in the Gospels, because it's the same lake, same place, same feeling, same atmosphere, same, same smell. Everything about it, is, it, it, it connects back to moments that we can see, just so the pages of the Bible are alive. And it says here, though, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, the other side of the, of the lake. So he says to his disciples, after he finishes teaching, this very large group of, of people who've been gathered to hear him on the shore, uh, he tells the, the, you know, the disciples as the group is dispersing, as the multitudes are dispersing, as the crowds are leaving and going back into their day, he says, listen, I want you to go to the other side um, of the sea, you know, uh, and, um, but you need to go without me because I'm not coming. And of course, that would have been uh, a, a kind of a problem because it's pretty clear that Jesus sent them Across, but that they didn't really want to go. In fact, it says he made, notice the word there, it says he, he made them. He made his disciples get in the boat. So they didn't want to do it. He goes, what do you mean? What do you mean? You're not coming with us, Lord? You, we're not going to leave you here. We, we, remember, we're your disciples. We go where you go. No, I want you guys to get in the boat and you go on the other side. Um, well, how are you going to get there? You don't worry about that. You just go ahead. Um, I have some other things I need to do. You go. And so one of the things we have here is a picture of Jesus. And remember, this is an important piece. They do this because he told them, not because they wanted to necessarily. It was pure obedience that sent them on that journey across the lake. And it says that Jesus himself, though, had a reason for it. Look at verse 23. That when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. Here we see the picture of Jesus, solitary and alone. One of the real truths of God's word, and it's modeled by Christ, is that there are times where we're going to need, if we're going to grow, if we're going to have depth of soul, we're going to have to have periods in our lives where we really get alone with God. There really is no substitute for taking some space out of our lives, carving out some time to be alone with the Father, as it were and to pray and reflect and to consider and to do what I often talk about here, a phrase we use, to make sure that we're having some long thoughts. Because we live in a, in a culture immersed in short thinking. But there are times where it's really important, it's, it's, it's imperative that we pull out of the, the dailiness of our lives, even the, the, 
the immersion in technology, which I think is a new dynamic of a modern, very modern culture of ours, where, where we need to just be alone in our thoughts with God. Do we have to? I don't think we have to. But if we're serious about a growing life, a reflective, deepening life, then we're going to have to also follow the pathway of Jesus on this one as well. And that means there are times, there are critical times where we need to pull away from things and just spend some time with God alone and listen and, and maybe even jot things down. And, and again, a very important piece of, of a growing life with God. Now, we say that because then that brings us to verse 24. It says that the, the boat was now in the middle of the sea. And we're going to come back to this phrase, the middle of the sea tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary and again while Jesus is praying it appears that what happened was while Jesus is praying the storm begins to hit the Sea of Galilee and so when they're about halfway across the lake uh, we're told that the waves started getting really rough and the, the, the wind started to blow and then the wind started to go in against them so here they are trying to get to the other side and they're really struggling to do what Jesus told them to do. So they're, they're in this place because they've been trying to be obedient to what he was asking them to do. And, and yet it's really hard. Now, which is another reminder, again, that it is possible to be doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing and the wind can even be against us. That we should not always assume that it's going to be smooth sailing and wind at our back and the sun being out because you told us to do this, then why shouldn't it be that way, Lord? And here they are doing what Jesus told them to do. And in that place of obedience, they're stuck in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, really struggling. The storm is hitting them. They can't make any progress. They're being tossed about. The wind is against them. And it's in that place. And again, I, I realize in their case, they had found their way into this difficulty because of obedience. I put a little quote on the bottom of the, of the handout from G. Campbell Morgan in which he says, you know what, in their case, they found their way to that position through um, obedience. But in most cases, it says, whatever difficulty we have found our way into, we have found our way into more difficulties through disobedience than obedience. That's the truth. A lot of our problems and challenges are not a result of, of doing what the Lord told us. It's a lot of times, our biggest challenges have come because we, we weren't really including God at all or we're moving in an entirely different direction than what he said. And then we get ourselves in a spot where we go, Lord, help me, right? Uh, this is bad. I need your help. I need you to show up right now. And, and you know what, what I love about what Morgan says? He says, you know what? The, the pattern of Jesus is that even there, he, he will show up for us. He's there to help us out. And again, some problems we find ourselves into are just because we live in a broken world. You know I talk about this a lot because it's true. Some things we get ourselves into because we've been, we just did what we felt like the Lord was leading us to do. And, in, and all of a sudden we're in a storm. Sometimes, I think that's the minority scenario, personally. I think the majority of the times most of our storms are because of choices we make, but a lot of them have to do with things that we didn't control whatsoever. They just sort of happen because we're living in a broken world that God came to address, a sin-impacted world that he gave his life for. But he says on this side, you know, there are going to be problems, he says, in life because we live with this sort of collective sense of, of brokenness in this world of ours. And so that means there are, things happen. And some things have no reason for them. They just occur, and we've got to walk through them. And that's not always easy to do. Again, I was trying to make the case at the beginning that just, I just looked back on my past week and I thought, wow, you know, I'm, I, I thought it was a pretty fairly easy week. And yet I realized that all the stories of people who were crossing my life 
people, some of whom, many of whom I love deeply, there, there was stormy weather everywhere because that's part of living. And it's one of the things that we oftentimes you know, forget that we can be moving along with life. And, and again, I look at this, I go, wow, they were, they were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, halfway into their journey. Now, again, the, the lake itself, just putting it in the context, is about, um, what do we say, 13 miles at its longest and about seven and a half miles in width. And so here they are um, rowing away in, in the Sea of Galilee. Now, one of the things we know about the Sea of Galilee, and again, I know not all of us have probably necessarily seen it in person, but there's something about seeing it when you, when you actually see it. It's, it's, you, get, you, get, you get it. But there's a very important piece of um, geography that is often in the news uh, because it's a controversial piece called the Golan Heights, a very strategic military piece of land. But the Golan Heights is often a place where the winds will sweep over, and they'll sweep down into this bowl of the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret. And out of nowhere, that lake can go from calm to crazy, just from the wind shooting right over. And it, 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 the storm just hits. You can be in the middle of relative calm, and all of a sudden, and the thing is a churning um, you know, bowl of water being shaken, as it were, by these winds. Tossed, and if you're a boat in there, you're in, you can be in trouble, especially if you're in the middle of it. And that's exactly, I thought, a lot like life, right? I mean, we're sailing along. Um, things, some of us, things are going great. You know, we say, how are things doing? Well, so I go, okay, pretty good. And the sun's out, and, and, and you know, it feels good. And then all of a sudden, and weather's not bad, and, and we're feeling good about life. You ever, that's a good place to be. I tell people, I say, how are things going? I say, no, no. Real, how are, how are they going, you know? Because everybody uses you, so I say, all right, you know? But you can tell, because a lot of times we reveal our hearts through our faces. And I say, okay, you know, what's well, okay, you know, well, sometimes we say, it's going great. And I go, you know what, good for you. Because I don't ever, listen, sunny days are great days. When, the, when, the, when, the, when things are going well for us and we feel the, the wind in our back and, and it's easy and, uh, you know, it's good to be alive, and you know, hey, don't take, you know what I've found? There's enough other times in life where stuff's happening that I don't, I don't wanna take those moments for granted. I just wanna be grateful. I wanna have a grateful heart. Now, what I will say is this. A lot of times in these sunny, easy, good places in life, it's easy to kind of forget God and throw him on the side. And uh, you know, this is going great, I don't really need you. But when the storm hits, oh, now I need you, Lord, right? And I think the Lord wants us to be grateful in the good, but also trustful in the, in the challenge, right? Grateful in the good places. Humble, grateful, open, thankful, realizing that, you know what? There will inevitably be things that I'm going to have to walk through. And when, I have to, when these storms hit, Lord, I'm going to need to have something of depth in me and teach me how to live with faith in the good and in the bad, in the high and in the low, in the sun, in the storm, you know, on the mountaintop, in the valley, wherever it is, Lord, to live a life that learns how to trust you with it and to live to, to some degree a life of faith that is challenging fears that would inevitably come and disrupt things inside of me. Now, I say that because I, I, I look at this and I go, verse 25, look what happens. It says, it was in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And the Bible just throws it out there. You know, it doesn't even, no qualification, nothing. It's just like no highlight, no exclamation mark. It's like 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, yeah, Jesus goes from praying, and the next thing you know, he's walking on the waters of the Sea of Galilee. 
And it says that when the disciples saw him, I mean, obviously, they were absolutely terrified as anybody would be. They saw him walking on the sea. They were completely troubled. Their first inclination is all of their sailor superstitions come out. And they go, it's a ghost, right? And it's some type of a, a spirit. And they cried out, it says, in fear, verse 26. And, you know, clearly they're afraid. They've never seen anything like it. They're looking at this thing, and they don't know what it is. I mean, it's bizarre. It's surreal. It's dreamlike. It's frightening. It's, it makes somebody scream. And they scream in absolute terror, and they cry out. Because these guys were rough-handed fishermen, but they had never seen anything like this. They were familiar with the sea, but again, not this. And then it says that immediately, in that moment, when they started crying out in fear and panicked at what they were seeing, this, this apparition in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the lake, but immediately it says, Jesus spoke to them, and he said, Be of good cheer. Let courage and joy fill you. It is I. Do not be afraid. There it is. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not let fear grip you. And then in an amazing moment of scripture, Peter appears to have been caught up in the whole experience. And once again, as his, his pattern, he speaks first and thinks second, right? And, and so what he does is he suspends his disbelief and he, he is filled with something that, that is almost extraordinary and he's not thinking and he says, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come out to you. And it says that, and again, that I, I, put, I point this out because this is where Peter's impetuous nature paid amazing dividends, right? He was fearless. He, he didn't think all the time, got himself into trouble. But I would have to say that his initial boldness, not only was it maybe his greatest weakness, it was also his greatest strength. And, and isn't it interesting how certain qualities in our own life, in our own personality, can be both strengths and weaknesses depending on the situation? that some things that we have at work in us in a certain scenario might actually be a tremendous asset to us. And then other things in certain scenario shifts and that same strength can actually become detrimental because we have a blind spot. And it may be, and this is what it was with Peter a lot of times. He would have these moments where his, his impetuous nature would serve him well and he would just speak out something and once in a while he would get Jesus and Jesus would say, that was, that was right on. Then other times when he would do it, he'd do it the same way. And he'd get, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, <laughs> get away from me. One time he even got, get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's like a strong one, right? <laughs> it's like he would get, he would get, he, but he put himself out there. And here he is again, true to his form, throwing himself out there. He says, Lord, if it's you, if it is you, and I think it is, and you're saying, don't be afraid, then I want you to do something amazing. I feel like I'm supposed to come to you if you call me. He had enough sense to say, if you call me. <laughs> Right? <laughs> and so, and so, you know, and so when he saw this, so, and Milka says, and so, what, and by the way, this is what Jesus will do every time we ask him to let us come to him. You know what he will always say? Come. It is the universal, it is the universal call of Christ. Come to me. And what it must have felt like to walk on water ever briefly, you know, I know what it's like to touch water and sink fast. Um, but as far as we can tell, he's the only other human being who ever did it, if, if nothing else, for just a brief moment. That first step was no doubt the hardest, and, and many can relate to the moment where fear must be faced. And for some of us, it's jumping into something completely new. Some of us are facing that right now. But if I can say it this way, um, Peter did not appear to think much. That was his weakness. Peter did not appear to think much. That was his strength. 
Peter wasn't really thinking. He was just, he was just <laughs> going for it. And in that way, I guess you could call him the forefather of all extreme sport lovers, right? Because he just decided, he just decided, I'm going for it. And realistically, his reason for asking wasn't because he was, it seems to be a daring person, it's because, or even for the thrill. It was because he, he, something about him in this moment was so caught up in what he was witnessing that he just felt like he needed to say to Jesus, I, I, I want to come to you. Whatever power is being displayed in front of my eyes, bid me to participate in it. It was an amazing statement of faith. And, and, and notice, it's, Jesus says, go, go ahead. And in verse 30, it says that when he saw that the wind was boisterous, so he, he moves out and, it, and he starts to take an initial step or two. It says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, blowing, powerful, terrifying, he, he got afraid and beginning to sink. And then once he took his, he started to look at what was, he begins to sink. And then it says that he cried out to the Lord as he realized he was drowning potentially. He said, Lord, save me. And in that moment, it says Jesus, and there it is, the third immediately of the peace. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him a very curious phrase, a loving rebuke, which we are left to sit with, oh, you of, of little faith, why did you doubt? You, you were touching something. Do you know what you were touching? And, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. A kind of eerie, but maybe that's not even the best word for it, a kind of a sensing of, of God stilling the, the, the entire play. Can you imagine the contrast? Jesus gets in, the whole thing just dies down. Peter, who didn't hear anything that Jesus said, is just in the boat. He's looking at Jesus. The disciples are there, and all they feel like they can do, it says this, and those who were in the boat came, and they just, they just got down, and they just started worshiping. They said, whatever you are, we believe you are truly the Son of God. And that was, that's it. And I look at this, and I go, wow, God, there's, there is something for us. And just take this, and we'll, just, we'll interact with it for a little bit. We're brief here. But I'm going to suggest that, I'm just going to put this on the board, is that, because again, fear is everywhere in this passage, right? Can, I, can you hear me when I say, when we are stuck in the middle of a bad situation, Jesus will come to us. I, I love this great truth. This, this reminds us that when we're in the middle of something, he will come to us. A lot of times we find, our, and oftentimes the Lord will show up in unexpected ways, just like with them. It was an unexpected development. The disciples, they, they were on that trip because they had been obedient to Jesus, and we get that. And, but that, something about that description in verse 24, again, I had mentioned it earlier. I'd like us to go back and look at it one more time. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves because the wind was contrary. Stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle, tossed by the waves. That phrase, stuck in the middle. And, and I, was, I remember reading uh, not too long ago, actually, uh, Max Lucado, a really fine contemporary writer um, who, in his book, Fearless, was commenting. He actually had a piece where he commented on this passage, and he said this. Look, take the, the phrase, in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, he said, and what I think he goes, a really good exercise, he says, to do is to substitute a couple of nouns. And he said, like this. And he says, um, not just tossed in the middle of the sea, you know, in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, but how about this? in the middle of, of, a, of a divorce, tossed by guilts, in, in the middle of debt, 
tossed by creditors, in the middle of an illness, tossed by fear, in the middle of an addiction, tossed by despair, in the middle of a loss, tossed by sorrow. The idea is we find ourselves in the middle of things, tossed by things, and the Lord will come into those middle places in, in life. Maybe some of us are in the middle of something right now, and we really need Jesus to come to us. You know, one of the things that we're reminded of is that he will come to us. He comes to us in what I call the, the stuck and stormy places of life. That, two things were happening there. One, it was stormy, so it means it wasn't good. It was, but they, but it was, they were stuck. Ever felt that way? Ever felt stuck in the middle of something? And the harder we work, it seems like we're getting nowhere. And that's exactly when I'm reminded that the Lord tells us, I will not abandon you. I will not abandon you. I will come to you. But then secondly, connected to that is this thought, that there are going to be times, and I, and I put it next to it because I think there are going to be times where the Lord is going to encourage us, even when he comes to us, to step out with some type of, of outrageous faith. Now, again, I am a person who believes in sensibility, and, and uh, there's more of a pragmatic, practical side to to my, my faith in, in Christ. And yet it, there are moments where in any journey with the Lord, he's gonna ask us to bust out of our comfort zones. And there are times we have to be okay with being um, a little bit fearless in a situation where we're gonna need some courage. And it's gonna take courage to jump out. I look at, I, look at, I love Peter again. Um, I look at the way that he really was an example on this memorable occasion. He, he really did do something absolutely daring for God. At the, and that's something we can learn from. But he also did something that is also learnable. He, what else did he do? What made him sink was that, at least we're told here, is that he took his eyes off of Jesus. The minute his focus shifted from Jesus to what was going on and why this shouldn't be happening, he, he started sinking like a rock. Like, like, he could, and, then, and then that just, the whole thing caved in. As soon as that happened, as soon as his, it seems like as soon as he remembered that this shouldn't be happening, and then looked at what was happening around him, he, he began to, just in a way, empower his fear. And again, and that leads to this third piece, which is this. Whenever we empower fear in our lives, we, we are bound to sink. And so f- fearful living is not the way to go. Um, a lot of times we're afraid of things that haven't happened and we're paralyzed thinking about what's going to happen even though it hasn't happened. And then, and you often hear me say that one of the downsides to fear, and there's more than a few, there's physical downsides to letting it just overwhelm us. But there's, there's certainly emotional, but, but there's more than that even, is that f- fear unleashed in us inhibits creativity. And creativity is a key to problem solving. And so what it does is we shrink ourselves in a way down. And one of the ways that God often delivers us is through being able to really process things through, to express our heart to him, to trust him. Oftentimes just saying, Lord, I'm just trusting you with this. When I find, I'll be honest, when I find myself starting to feel afraid or anxious, I, I, I really try to just say, Lord, I, you know, I don't control this. I'm going to try. I'm gonna, and I, sometimes I even do this. I even just say, I, you know, I, just, I just put my hands out to the Lord. I say, I just, I just trust you. And then even the idea of my open hands before him is a, is a kind of prayerful positioning before the Lord. And sometimes when I'm really desperate, I'll just get down and I'll just say, Lord, I just, you know, I just, 
I got, I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid. I trust you. I need you to help me. I'm open. I'm humble. You see that? I think, the, I think posture matters. I, I'm not saying that it, 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 every time is some magical formula. But I will say this. There are reasons why certain, certain things are done in positions. It says something. There's an expression when it's done with sincerity. And, um, and you can read it in the Psalms. But that's a, that's a whole other story. The bottom line is this. Feed our fears, as Lucado put it. Feed our fears, and our faith will starve. Feed our faith, and our fears will. And so one of the ways we do that is by stirring ourselves up to remember the things and the promises of God. Last thing I'll say is this. That even when we lose our focus, you know, even when we lose our focus, he still will not fail us. I, and I, I so deeply appreciate that because there have been times where, like Peter, I've, I've lost my focus. And it's almost like I'm so happy that Jesus didn't say, bummer, dude, you know, you're on your own. <laughs> You shouldn't have done this. You, you were reckless. You, you shouldn't, you know, he's like, hey, you know, I hope you can swim, you know? No, you know, it's like the Lord doesn't, the Lord doesn't do that. He doesn't say that. He, the beautiful picture is in here. He, Peter cries out, Lord, save me. I've cried that prayer. I might suggest that every one of us who ever will come to the Lord will pray this prayer. Lord, save me. I can't do it on my own. So not only is it the, the universal prayer that is a prerequisite for having the promise of life that Jesus wants to give us, Lord, save me. I accept you as my Savior. But it is also uh, the cry that we will all make at various times in our lives because we will run into storms and fearful places and we need sinking moments in the middle of the sea um, when we're going to need Jesus to just take us and get us through this thing. And you know what? That's okay. Listen, Sometimes he brings deliverance and the storm stops. Sometimes it's his grace to teach us how to negotiate a very difficult place and not be destroyed along the way. Either way, he will not leave us nor forsake us. Yea, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Be not afraid. Let's pray. And Lord, um, you know, again, as we just come to this moment of, of completion of this time of ours where, you know, even the song that we're closing with is just a, a direct hit on what we just looked at. But also suspecting that many of us are, are, are walking through things either inside of our, our own hearts or people we love around us or just areas of our lives that we're facing. And sometimes, Lord, we find ourselves in a situation where we really just need you to show up for us and and we're asking you to save us, Lord, and, and maybe your way of deliverance is going to be the calming of the storm and you just get us back in the boat and, and the weather that is adverse is turned. That's, that's one way of deliverance. Sometimes, Lord, is just teaching us how to grow in grace, how to, how to, how to gain depth of soul, how to, how to be a kind of person who trusts you through the, through the challenging, difficult places of life when we're trying to get somewhere, but we're stuck. Un, you know, get us through that, Lord. Get us, you know, blessed is the humble. The humble one who comes to you will not be turned away. The proud, you, do, you won't hear. Whatever else we have, we don't have you. But the humble of spirit, um, that you will not turn away. So I just, I want to ask you to just bless these closing minutes. Bless this closing song. Um, bless our time of giving as we, as a people, honor you together. We do this in, in Jesus' name. Amen.